Hi, welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We're very glad you're joining us today and we hope this message inspires you, builds your faith and encourages you in the things of God. Enjoy the message. Church, good evening. How are you this evening? Blessed, I hope, in God. Praise the Lord. Shall we pray? Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just thank you tonight for the opportunity to stand here. It's a privilege. Every time we open your word, Lord, we, we are faced with an opportunity to be reminded of who you are, your heart, your true character, Lord, and your, your desire for us, Lord. And Lord, we see it at the cross your great desire for relationship with us. Lord, while we were your enemies, you showed your great love for us by giving your son. No greater sacrifice has ever occurred in all of history that God, the God of history, would give his son for people. But that's what you did, Father, for us. So I pray tonight, Lord Jesus, even now, we would be reminded and encouraged of how greatly loved we are. Surely the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. And we were once lost, far away, but you found us, you called us, you brought us on your back, back into your sheepfold. And now we are a part of your body wonderful Lord, grafted into the promises, grafted into Jesus by faith tonight, God. And I thank you for that, Lord. And so I just pray as we get into your word, Lord, your word would get into us. I pray, Lord, as we begin to listen and, and, and explore what, your, what the word is saying tonight, God, that there would be liberty and freedom in the house. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And we all said, amen. Any signs of life? <laughs> I'm going to go for it anyway. Amen. Tonight, folks, I have a message. I've called it, Where There's a Will, There's a Relative. I'm kidding. <laughs> I've entitled it, Where There's a Will, There is a Way. Where there is a will, there is a way. And um, really, I want to talk tonight a little bit about waiting. I want to talk a little bit about that sort of season we can find ourselves in when we are waiting for God to do something. We're waiting for him to come through on a promise. We're waiting for him to, to answer a particular prayer that we might be having. It is something that we're all familiar with. And I, I have found that the past 21 months have sort of compounded that sort of experience we can have when we're waiting and things aren't happening. Have you found that? When everything's on hold, it's as if we need a certain amount of momentum in life, movement in life, to feel secure, don't we? But when everything's grounded and when everything's just halted, sometimes it can actually amplify some of our frustrations, maybe even our resentments, worries, and so on. And I just feel that maybe there are people here tonight, or maybe you're watching online, and that is you. You are waiting, 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 and, and maybe the past 21 months hasn't really helped you to be patient and wait on the Lord. But how many of you know that God is worth waiting for? Amen. He's worth waiting for. Amen. Is anybody in agreement tonight? God is worth waiting for. Now, I cannot wait to go on a sun holiday again. 
I can't, amen. Now, now, we're, now we're talking, right? Okay, I should have started with that. I cannot wait to go on a sun holiday again. But listen, I haven't forgotten the woes of travel, right? I haven't forgotten them, right? Most of us, if you're like me, you're a cheap date and you fly Ryanair. God bless you if you're watching anyone from Ryanair tonight. Um, but, but you fly Ryanair. And um, I don't know if you've ever experienced a delay when you're actually in the plane, you've boarded and you're on the runway. Anybody familiar with that experience? So you're sitting in your seat, you're ready to take off, but things, are, things aren't moving as quickly as you'd like, okay? You're ready, and, and, and unfortunately, um, just what's going on in your ever-shrinking Ryanair seat isn't the whole story. There's more going on, and, and I think sometimes if you're anything like me anyway, it doesn't take you long to get frustrated with what's going on in the cockpit, right? You can't see what's going on in the cockpit. You can't see, but it's not long before you start to question the character and the competency of, of whoever's flying the plane. It's true, isn't it? Why isn't, why isn't it moving? And folks, <laughs> just because you're ready for a takeoff doesn't mean it's time to fly. That's the truth, isn't it? But we can be so ready for something to happen, so ready for, for something to take place. And just because we feel that in our little, I mean, those seats really are getting smaller. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, they are getting smaller. It's not just me. They are getting, yes, okay. So, right, they are. I sat in one the other day. I sat in one in June and I was like, right, it, I, I should have walked more when I had my five kilometer limit. But anywho, anywho, uh, like I was saying, we need a level of upward motion in life to feel secure, don't we? We do. But the best way to fly is to stay grounded. It is. Let me tell you what I mean. When you are waiting, it is important not to lose patience and abandon hope. We need to stay grounded in the character of God. Waiting cannot throw our view of God. Do you know what I mean by that? When we're waiting for a long time for something to happen, we can't let it become a matter of God's character. God, what are you doing? Are you, are you in control at all? Do you care about me at all? All these questions that, if we're honest, we start asking when we're waiting a little bit too long, okay? Now, there's something I want to say. Um, there is a willingness in the heart of God, folks. There is a willingness in the heart of God we can lay a hold of in that place of waiting. And that's what I want to show you tonight. God is willing, amen? He's more willing than we think, okay? And if we understand, now his ways are above our ways, we know that, but there is something we can understand about his means or the way he works that can actually help us to not get discouraged when we're waiting. So that's what I want to explore. I want to look at God, his willingness, and some of how he works as a way to keep us from getting discouraged when we're waiting for takeoff. Amen? So shall we get this message to take off? Okay, let's do it. Isaiah 65 verse 24 says this, before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. Amen. Now in the NLT it says this, I will answer them before they even call to me. While they are still speaking about their needs, I will go ahead and answer their prayers. So in other words, God is saying, I'm so willing that before you can make the petition, I've sent the provision. 
I'm so willing that even before you ask, I'm already solving, I'm already working, I'm already uh, on the case, if you like. The answer is already on the way, folks. He is more willing than we know. And the truth is, one of the biggest lies we can fall into about God is that He's somehow harsh or miserly, that He's unwilling. And unfortunately, we can sort of perpetuate that, okay? Because when, when it comes to giving, most of us are thinking of an excuse, but God is actually looking for a reason to give. That's the truth. God is not like us. We want to hold, take, and withhold. God is looking for a reason to give. And this is a powerful verse if we can take it in tonight. Before I even ask, he knows my need and he sent a provision toward me. So if we're willing, if we're going to stay encouraged, we have got to remember that we serve a willing God. Amen? A willing God. And the second thing I want you to know is that God is at work in the unseen. He's at work in the unseen. So say this with me. Undetectable processes undeniable results. All together now, undetectable processes and undeniable results. That is the God that we serve. Listen, if you're praying about it, God is working on it. God is making things happen for you, even when you don't see it, even when you can't feel it, even when it's not evident. God is working on your prayers. God's plan is always the best. Sometimes the processes are painful and they're difficult, but don't forget that when God is silent, He can still be doing something for you. Amen? God changes caterpillars into butterflies, sand into pearls, and coal into diamonds using time and pressure. And He's working on you too. Amen? Yeah, I know, but you know... I finished my onboard peanuts and my complimentary bottle of water. <laughs> you are where God wants you to be at this very moment, folks. Can I get an amen? You're where he wants you. Every experience you're going through is a part of his divine plan tonight. Amen? In our waiting, God is working. Uh, please turn with me now to 2 Kings 3. I want to show you a fantastic passage of Scripture. Um, I'm going to give you a little bit of context while we're all turning there. Um, Joram, the son of Ahab, is the king of Israel at, the, at that particular moment in time. And uh, while Ahab was alive, the king of Moab um, gave uh, Ahab a ransom, if you like, or, or paid him uh, what, I think it was about 100,000 rams and 100,000 fleeces, almost like a, you know, an offering or whatever to Ahab. But when Ahab died, he stopped paying. So the scriptures say in 2 Kings 3 that Joram, the king of Israel, Ahab's son, went down to Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, and asked him, will you ride with me to Moab? We're going to pay this guy a visit. He's not paying me my Whatever, you know, whatever I'm owed, okay? And so the two kings go along with the king of Edom to visit the man of God, Elisha, to get a word about whether or not they should go and, and, and attack Moab with all their armed forces, okay? So I want to um, pick it up in verse 13. And Elisha said to the king of Israel, what have I to do with you? That's uh, Jehoram. Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother, 
But the king of Israel said to him, No, it is the Lord who called these three kings to give them into the hand of Moab. And Elisha said, And the Lord, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, were it not that I have regard for Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would neither look at you nor see you. But now bring me a musician. And when the musician played, the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, Thus says the Lord, I will make this dry stream bed full of pools. Now, they had marched and found themselves in a desert place. These three kings and their amassed armies had found themselves in a dry place, and they had started to wonder whether God had actually led them into that place for their destruction. So it was dry. It was a place they felt they were led to go to, but it was dry, and they needed a miracle. They needed water. They needed refreshing. And so that's what God says here. Uh, the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand. Before, uh, were it not for Jehoshaphat the king, I would neither look at you or see you. And then he says in verse 16, I'll make the dry stream bed full of pools. The, the, for thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind or rain, but that stream bed shall be filled with water so that you shall drink, you, your livestock and your animals. This is a light thing in the sight of the Lord. He will also give the Moabites into your hand and you shall attack every fortified city and every choice city and shall fell every good tree and stop up all springs of water and ruin every good piece of land with stones. And look at verse 20, folks. The next morning, about the time of the offering uh, of the sacrifice, behold, the water came from the direction of Edom till all the country was filled with water. What an amazing story. What an amazing story. So God says, literally, through his prophet Elisha, I'm going to fill this dry stream bed with pools of water, but you'll see neither rain nor storm, no visible sign that I'm working, but at the right time, there'll be a provision for you. So in other words, before you can ask or even look for something to happen, I've already made provision. You're worrying about what I'm going to do tomorrow, and I answered your prayers yesterday. That's what he's showing here, and I want you to sort of look at this uh, in this way. For, for us, water in the scriptures is always a picture of life. It's always a picture of refreshing, of the spirit or the word, okay? So the first thing we can look at in verse 16 is this. It's the command to make trenches. Make trenches. That's the first thing that's spoken from Elisha to the kings of Israel, Judah, and Edom. Make trenches or dig. And in, the, um, new, in the King James, it says make trenches. But in other words, I want us to take it this way. If you're waiting, trusting on God to bring something forth, it's time to dig ditches. It's time to dig ditches. And what do I mean by that? I mean it's time to make space in your life to receive something from God. It's time to make space okay? Allow your expectation of God to rise as you wait for him to do what he's going to do. And I want to tell you how that works, okay? Praise makes space. Amen? Praise, worship, thanksgiving, in that place of waiting, creates space in your heart. That's what it does, okay? Praise makes space, it builds faith, but complaining doesn't, okay? 
Praise is agreement with God. Complaining is agreement with feelings. Don't let your mouth lock you into a perspective, folks. When you're waiting for the Lord to do something, right, what you say and how you verbalize your feelings matters. Give him, wor- give him the praise he's due. Worship him, even if you can't see him working. That's that song, Waymaker, isn't it? We, even when we can't see him working, we can worship him anyway, because he is by nature a waymaker. He is by nature a waymaker. Now, he says in Amos 5, uh, verse 5, God says, seek me and live, and that means to seek me for the purpose of worship. God give us the grace today to worship even when things don't seem to be moving or working in the way that we want or expect or hope, okay? And the provision will always flow from the sacrifice. Always, always. I'll show you that now in a little bit. But look at verse 17. It says, you won't see wind or rain, but the stream bed will be full. And you know what, folks? I think sometimes the miraculous is just another word for the unexpected, that's what I think. I think sometimes we call something miraculous just because we don't see it coming, okay? Just because you can't see it coming doesn't mean it isn't on the way. Can I get an amen tonight? Doesn't mean it isn't on the way. Do not judge. Stop judging things by the natural all the time, by the natural eye, okay? Don't let resentment and frustration grip your life when you cannot see what God is doing. Don't judge by the natural eye. And like we heard on Sunday, don't throw Jesus off a cliff in your Nazareth, okay? Some of you aren't throwing Jesus off the cliff, just his character. His character is what's getting tossed off the cliff while we're waiting for things to change or move. You know, I think faith is like a set of night vision goggles, okay? You ever see those movies, those spy movies with the night vision goggles and everything's in green, and yeah, thermal goggles and all that sort of thing. They, it, when, we, when we cannot see through the natural, faith allows us see in the dark, amen? Faith is how we see in the dark, in the darkness of our circumstances. I want to look very quickly at Isaiah 45 verse 3. God says this, I will give you the treasures of darkness and the hordes in secret places that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who calls you by name. And look at that, he says, I'll give you treasures in the dark. God has something for you in the dark places, in the times where you cannot see with the natural eye. There is something of himself to be found in those places. There is a refreshing for you in those places in God, okay? Darkness is the absence of something. That's what darkness is. It's the absence of something. And maybe in that waiting place, you're feeling the absence of something. You're waiting. You're waiting for a partner. You're waiting for a breakthrough. You're waiting for an experience. Well, whatever it is, God can turn those times of lack and absence, those those places that are otherwise without water into times of discovery, into places that he fills with his presence, with his word, with, with a life in the spirit. See, there's revelation in your desperation. Revelation in your desperation. There's refreshment for you in the secret places, in the dark places. Listen to Isaiah 41 verse 18. 
God says, I will open rivers on the bare heights. And now the waters in 2 Kings flow down from the mountains, down from Edom into the valleys. And so here God says, I'm going to make a river and it'll flow out of the bare heights, out of the high places. Remember what Psalm 121 says, where does your help come from, church? All right, it comes, you need to look up to see where that river flows from. And the mountains in the midst of the valleys, I will make the wilderness a pool of water. I'll make a dark place a place of revelation. And the dry places springs of water. I will put in the wilderness the cedar, the acacia, the myrtle, the olive. In other words, I'm going to make you fruitful in that place. I'm going to touch you in that place. And I'll set in the desert the cypress, the plain, and the pine together, that they may see and know, that they may consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord has done this. The Holy One of Israel has created it. Church, listen to me tonight. Do not let your circumstances speak for God. Do not let your circumstances speak for God. He's putting something in you in the darkness of your waiting season. He's doing something. He's sending something. He's sent it already. I'm called by name. You, me, we're called. You don't need to see when you're seen by God. You don't need to see. You don't need to have all the answers. You don't need to know it all when you're known, fully known by Him. That's the truth. And here's the promise, here's the truth. Job said it. He knows my way. He knows the way I take. Isn't that wonderful? When I can't see, when I don't know, when I feel like I should be taking off and it's not happening, He knows my way. And when it's all done, they will say, and that's Isaiah 41, only God has done this. Only God could have done this. In verse 20 of 2 Kings, we see the breakthrough. Water flowing from Edom at the time of the sacrifice. God has already provided. That is an amazing truth, church. God has already provided. Already. It was flowing towards them before they could even ask for it from the hills, under the surface, beyond sight, more than enough though for you and for your family and for those around you. When it comes, it's going to be more than enough. Amen. When it comes, it's going to come in abundance, church. That's how it's going to flow. That's the grace of God towards you, a fountain, a grace flowing to us from the gospel. That's the truth, a river of life that flows from the side of the Savior towards you at all times. Can you see the favor that's on your life? Can you see the cross where our Savior bled and died to ensure that you would have everything you need when you need it? If he wouldn't abandon you, if he would die while you were his enemy, why is it now that we are so quick to think that when we cannot see his hand, that his hand is off of us altogether? What is that about? But it's true of all of us. Listen, faith, God give me faith to discern the hand, your hand, Lord, in the darkness. The dryness of my circumstance is not a ceiling for God. It's not. It's a platform. Can God meet your lack tonight? It's a light thing, the text says. It's a light thing for God. What are you waiting for? It's a light thing for God. God is only bound by his word not by your circumstances. 
That is the truth. He's not bound by anything other than the word that he's spoken. He's watching over it to perform it. That's what he told Jeremiah. You're right to see an almond tree because my word will bear fruit at the appropriate time, at the right time, because an almond tree is the first to bud in its season from winter. It's the first. So God's saying my word won't be late. It's going to come, but it's going to come in the right season at the right time. Can I get an amen? If I've said anything tonight, let it be this. He is willing. So when you're waiting, do not let his character be called into question. He is waiting. But why does it still take so long? This is what I want you to know. This is what I feel like the Holy Spirit has put on my heart. Why do things take so long? It is not because God is unwilling. We need to know something about his means. We we need to know something about the way that God works. God works through two things. Are you ready? His word and people. God works through people. Why is, it wait, why is it taking so long? Because of the nature of God's word and the nature of people. John 5, 17, Jesus says, my father is working up till now and now I am working. So God is working, amen? God is moving. Now look at Isaiah 55. We know it so well from verse 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, amen? We have to get out of that mindset that when things don't go our way, we start thinking, well, if I was, or since I can't understand how it could work, then it can't work. That's us putting ourselves, elevating our reasoning to the place of God, and we can't do that. Just because we don't understand it doesn't mean that it's not working or that God isn't working. So what, what does Proverbs 3, 5 tell us? It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. All right, so God's not looking for you to get it. God's looking for you to trust in. Amen? I want you to trust me. I want you to trust that I am who I say I am, that I'm the faithful one from the scriptures, that I've put my name to my word, that I've attached the glory of my name to my word, that I will fulfill whatever it is that I've said I'll fulfill. I don't want you to, I don't need you to know. I need you to understand. Or excuse me, I don't need you to understand. I need you to trust me and acknowledge me as good in all your ways and I'll make a straight path for you at the right time. My ways are not your ways. As far as the heaven is, as far as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Listen, verse 11. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. That's an interesting analogy, isn't it? God compares his word and the nature of his word to agriculture, to growing, to, 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 to vegetation. Okay, let's keep going. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish all that I purpose and it will succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Isn't that wonderful tonight? God's word is going to be successful. Can I tell you tonight? Wait for the word. Wait for the word to do its work. Wait for the word to do its work. God's word is a seed okay, that produces a harvest or the desired intended results at the right time. 
So it is seasonal. It is a season thing. Ecclesiastes 3, Solomon tells us that life is about seasons, reaping, sowing, gathering, scattering, all sorts. And God's word will produce a harvest at the right time. We are waiting for the word to do its work. God is always working. His word is always effective. His word works in a situation like yeast in a batch. That's what Jesus says to us. He says it's like, it's like leaven in a lump, okay? In the dark, under the surface, but the presence of the yeast makes it a foregone conclusion. Isn't that a wonderful reality? Well, God's word, I spoke God's word to that person. Maybe you've got a spouse who doesn't know the Lord tonight. Have you spoken? Have you brought the word? Have you preached that gospel to him? Great, now stop. Listen, I've seen people preach and preach to wayward teens and unsaved spouses. You, they know what you believe, now live it. Live it, live it. They know, let the word do its work now. You don't, have to keep, you don't have to keep bringing it and bringing it and bringing it. Let the word do its work. They know, now just love and, and live out that gospel and wait and see. God will do it. Hebrews 4.12 says that God's word is alive. It's powerful. It's effectual. That's what it means. It means it always gets the job done. God's word never fails. It has never failed. It will never fail. Some of you don't even, it does not matter where that person is right now. What matters is that they've heard the truth of Jesus out of your mouth. They've heard that word. Proverbs tells us that we're to train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he's old, he won't depart from it. That means the foundations will last. They will, the foundations of his words. That's the truth tonight for you and for I. It's hard. And I haven't gotten to the people part yet. Why is it taking so long, Lord? That's because God is working through people. Look at, his, look at Exodus 3, 7 through 9. God speaks to Moses. What does he say? The Lord says, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the land, hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, and Cellulites. Oh, you're still here, Gus. <laughs> What's God saying? I'm aware. I have heard, and I'm at work. That's what he said to Moses. But I've chosen to work through you. God has chosen to work through people. And that is the slow part. God had prepared a deliverer for the Israelites beforehand. Moses was already 80. What would God say? Moses, I'd have shown up 40 years earlier, but you were too full of yourself for me to use you. God, help us not to be frustrated when he's gracious, when he's taking his time, when he's allowing his word to work. Quote, 
The weakest point in any system isn't the software or the hardware, it's the meatware, the human element. Do you know who said that? The Winter Soldier. No, Bucky Barnes, no Marvel fans. Okay. <laughs> the Winter Soldier said that, very true. God works through people. His word is at work in people. And people affect change. Some of us need to realize that we aren't waiting for God. We're waiting for people. We're waiting for people. Listen. David Wilkerson said this. God uses people. God uses people to perform his work. He does not send angels. Angels weep over it, but God does not use angels to accomplish his purposes. He uses burdened, broken, hearted women and men weeping. Or in other words, people through whom the word has done its work. When the work is done, there will be enough humility and tenderness to respond to whatever God calls us to do. It's the truth. So we wait. We wait. Can I um, read you a passage? As I read it, I want to tell you a story about a Chinese missionary who, whose father was a Buddhist and the missionary felt a call to go and preach to um, the indigenous people in the mountains in China to bring the gospel to them. But he also knew that the scriptures taught him to honor his father and his mother and his father simply wouldn't let him go. So he fasted and prayed for three years. Three years. Caught between what God's word said and what he felt a call to do and, and the slow, steady work of God in his father. Until one morning, his father came out from prayer, Buddhist man, and he said, your God has told me to release you and allow you to go to the mountains to preach this gospel, the gospel of your God, to those people. What did God say? What did Jesus say to Paul of Tarsus? Saul of Tarsus. Is it hard for you to kick against the goads? Paul, you've been resisting me for a long time. Is it hard? You don't know who's kicking against the goads tonight. You don't know who's on the brink of shifting and turning and changing. You don't know. You've been waiting, and I believe that there are people here, you've been waiting, brokenhearted over people. You've been waiting and waiting. You don't know. In a moment, God could turn things around. They're kicking against the goads, and you would never know it. But God is calling you to trust that his word will do its work. His word will do its work. I got so wrapped up in my story, I stopped turning. Sorry. Psalm 105. God uses people. Verse 16. When he summoned a famine on the land and broke all supply of bread. This is God talking about Egypt. He had sent a man ahead of them. Joseph, who was sold as a slave, his feet were hurt with fetters, his neck was put in a collar of iron until what he had said came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. Isn't that amazing? So before God sent a problem, he sent a man. He's willing to send that provision ahead of time. Amen. He's willing, though, he is willing, even to send you ahead of time. I want to say that tonight. Maybe God has sent you ahead of time. 
I want you to keep in mind the water in, in, in 2 Kings flows down from Edom and has to wait underground to be exposed. And that was God's provision at that time. But what if God has sent you ahead of time and you're waiting out of sight in the dark, wondering what God is doing and what's taking place above the surface? God sent Joseph to Egypt before there was a famine and allowed him to sit in a prison cell for 13 years. What if you are that blessing waiting out of sight until the appointed time? What if you're that person? What is God's word at work in you? God's word is working in you too for a season, for a purpose, for more than what we can sometimes see on our seat on our Ryanair flight. You don't know what's going on behind those cockpit doors. You don't know. Be grateful if God answers your prayer. Be more grateful when God makes you the answer to someone else's prayer. Psalm 105, before God had sent a problem, he'd sent a man. Joseph was planted in Egypt before there was a famine. And someone needs to hear tonight, you are not buried in your situation. You're planted in it. There's a difference. You're planted in your situation. God's man or God's woman, God's response before the prayers could be sent up, before people even know that they need you. There are people in your life who don't even know that they need you yet. Joseph was rejected by his brothers, but when the right season came, his very brothers who had once rejected him came seeking from him life and sustenance. You don't know. Maybe you've been sent ahead, waiting in the dark, out of sight until the appointed time. You see, this is sometimes a frustration. This is how, like it says in the scriptures, the word tried Joseph. It tried him. How did it try him? Because his purposes are beyond our understanding. Listen, only God knows what it takes for a man to come into agreement with his word. Only God knows. Maybe that's the mystery of his ways. Maybe that's how his ways are mysterious because only he knows what it takes to get us to a place where he can use us. Only he knows what it takes to get that person to a place where they'll respond. Only he knows what it takes to see that word grow and bear a harvest in a life. You might feel buried, forgotten, but you are the answer to somebody's prayer. Someone needs to hear that right now because you maybe you want to throw your hands up in the air and say, I'm done waiting, Lord. I'm going to go do this on my own, in my own way. I'm going to step out in my own strength. I'm going to make decisions. I'm going to make choices. But you don't know what staying in this place will mean for people, other people. You don't know. You are graced in waiting for somebody. That's the truth. And what I love is that the problem reveals the purpose. Until there was a famine, Joseph didn't know what God was doing with his life. And some of us were waiting and we don't know what God is doing. God, what are you doing with me? What's my life really about? What's your purpose? What are you, what, 
am I here for? And God is saying, you don't know until I introduce the problem. So I've sent you, but when I send the famine, you're going to see. And listen, there is a famine. I don't know if you've noticed it. There is a famine of hope. There is a famine of security. There is a famine that has come into the world over the past 21 months. People have been shaken, but that shaking begins with the house of God. There are trials that God will allow you go through first, so when the world encounters it, you'll have an answer. So when you're called from your dark place to the surface, you'll be able to speak with insight like Joseph could, because you have heard and seen and tasted first. That's what God is doing. God has planted you. He's not buried you or forgotten you. He hasn't done that. Genesis 45, 4, almost done. Then Joseph said to his brothers, please come near me. And they did so. I am Joseph, your brother, he said, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves that you sold me into this place because it was to save lives that God sent me before you. For the famine has covered the land these last two years and there will be five more years without plowing, plowing or harvesting. God sent me before you to preserve you as a remnant on the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God, who has made me a father to Pharaoh, a lord of all his household and ruler over all the lands of Egypt. Folks, listen, his purposes are always about the salvation of many through broken vessels. It is always about the salvation of many. This is about scale. We might ask, God, ask of God one thing, but he's working on a global scale. Joseph sat in that cell not knowing that God was orchestrating world events that would become a stage for him to rise at the right time. At the right time. At the right time. The word had to work in Joseph until he was tried, the scriptures say, but it means purified. Once the process was over, then God could use him. Circumstances are never the issue for God, ever. God took him from a prison to a palace overnight. Made him a prime minister when he was a prisoner, overnight. And some of us, we want change so badly. God, take me out of this situation. Take me out of what I'm in. Take me out of what's going on. And God is saying, no, wait for me because I want growth in your life. Growth will always equal change. Like we heard from Pastor Hamp the other day, it's the fatness that breaks the yoke. God wants you to grow out of the things that you battle with now. I want you to grow. Let my word do its work. And when you grow, there'll be change. Growth will always mean change. And so we can have a confidence tonight, you and me. Psalm 27, 13 through 14. I remain, and I pray that you would remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I'm going to see it. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Titus had to travel a long way just to be a refreshment for Paul. Jesus had to go a long way to be the living water that the woman of the well needed, the woman at the well needed in John chapter 4. 
Maybe he has sent you tonight ahead of time to be the refreshment in the life of somebody who as yet may not even know that they need you. They may not even know. It is always his will. It is always his will. Yes and amen. Even in our if not now, when. Even in our waiting, it's yes and amen. But it's not always our way. It's always, it may not always be our way, right? But it's always for the glory of his name and for the salvation of many. That's always it. He's using you. He's working on you. He's doing deep things that are going to release you ultimately into whatever it is that he's called you to. Just trust him a little longer. See that he's willing. See that he works through people and through his word. See that when things take time, it's because he's gracious and long-suffering and because his purposes are unto salvation and the glory of his name. Just hang on a little longer. He's going to do it. You're going to take off. Amen? We pray tonight. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the truth of your words and my prayer is that that touches somebody. Lord, that somebody hears that in their waiting in their difficult season, that you are a God, Lord, who can send rain, send water without clouds or a storm. You are a God who is able, Lord. And so I just pray that people will be encouraged and patient and that they would praise you and let your word do its work and in the appropriate time, at the right time, in the right season, we're going to see some people we thought far off respond to you, Lord. And Lord, we might find ourselves the answer to problems yet to arise in the lives of the people around us. Give us patience. Give us grace tonight, Lord. Grace us for this. I just pray in your name, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. Thanks for tuning in with us today. I hope you were blessed. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website www.corkchurch.com Again, thanks for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.